there's one thing I've noticed more in the last year, maybe in the last six months, than I've ever seen before in all of my time in ministry and, well, in life, is the level of confusion that I see in people, especially young people. So we'll talk about that a little bit today. Hey, this is Mike. We're in the book of Matthew, chapter 5. We're keeping up with the king. And we've been talking about the Sermon on the Mount as the king lays down the kingdom principles, the kingdom manifesto. Um, Matthew is a Jewish man writing to a Jewish audience about a Jewish king. And Jesus is talking about these important aspects of the kingdom. Um, and we last time we talked about one of the important aspects, actually, it wasn't just last time, like the last four times, we, we talked about an important aspect of the of the kingdom. And, and that is the importance of the community in the kingdom, right? That the people in the kingdom have re- right relationships with one another. The idea of sacrificing my own pride, my own rightness in order to um, maintain or to reconcile a broken relationship with somebody else. We talked about how he says, if your brother has something against you, right? So if you know somebody in your church that has a problem with you, then go and seek to make it right. Do what you can. And that might come at a cost to you. That might come at a cost to you. I had a time in my own life where I had to do that. Um, had a, a conflict with somebody in my church. And actually it was pointed out to me by someone else in the church that said, hey, there's clearly a problem there. And so I was like, eh, you're right. I got to go take care of this. And I went and I was kind of expecting a big mutual apology. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, you're sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, that kind of thing. And that's not what happened at all. Um, I went in ready to apologize, uh, apologize for the situation and basically was told, yeah, you, you're wrong and blah, 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 blah. You know, and I left there very sad because I felt like, you know, here's an opportunity for us to, to be brought back into a right relationship. And yet, even though I was there to say, I'm sorry, the other person seemed very much not, um, not willing to take any ownership for their own problem part of the problem. And so the, the problem kind of continued, um, on, on their side, much more than, much more than mine, I think. Um, and, and I could be wrong with that. I don't want to mean to be the hero of my own story, but sometimes that happens. Sometimes you seek out reconciliation and Hey, it backfires on you a little bit. Um, because there's two people involved, right? And that's one of those things. You do what you can. As much as it depends on you, live at peace. Live peaceably with all men. So, hey, I was going to talk about confusion because this is what Jesus talks about in this next section. He talks about the issue of adultery. And he says in verse 27 and 28, You have heard it said uh, to those of old, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now, I don't know if this is confusing, and I don't think that, well, that really wasn't my point when I was talking about confusing things. But again, Jesus is taking something that would be seen as an external thing, committing adultery, and pointing out that there's a, that that is a a narrow interpretation. You know, thou shalt not commit adultery. He's saying, look, you're looking and saying, oh, I'm good. 
but God's concerned with your heart, with your thought life, right? Not just what you physically do, but what you're doing with your mind and in your heart. And so here's the confusion I've seen. In our modern day, there's so much talk about uh, genders and sexual orientation, and it's become such a, a big conversation. Uh, and as a person with teenage daughters, um, this is something that they're encountering all the time. And they're, they're seeing it, and I'm seeing it, this confusion among, amongst people and confusion about attraction and this idea of lust, right? Desire. And this is what I've, I've seen, and maybe you've seen this too, is that we have this incredible sexualization in our culture where in movies, the way that they demonstrate that two people are in love is a, is a sex act. You know, you think of like uh, the movie Titanic, for example, you know, here's these two people and that they're trying to show you, oh, that they're in love. So at some point they have to have a, you know, they have to have uh, sexual intimacy, um, which is which is really ridiculous. But that's that's the mindset that our culture has: is that sex is love, love equals sex. And those of us that are familiar with the, the Bible recognize that that's not the case at all. That when the Bible talks about love, that's not what it's talking about. And so we have this very strange thing where when people watch Sesame Street and they see Ernie and Bert, who are best friends, they say, "Well, Ernie and Bert must be gay." Because if you are going to be, if you're going to love somebody like that, there has to be sex involved. Uh, when you have them talking about David and Jonathan in the Bible, that you know that it says David loved Jonathan more than any, more you know more than any woman. You know he has this love for this this man who's this brother to him. They have this kinship, this bond that's uh, that's incredible and. So then what, what's the determination from pe some people in the world? Oh, well, David must have been gay because he loved this man, because love is sex. And this is this confusing thing that goes on, and people are so confused about it that they think, well, if I think, you know, let's say you're a, uh, you're a teenage boy, and you are watching a movie, and you see a movie star, and you think, man, that's a good-looking guy. <gasps> Wait, does that mean I'm gay? Because I thought that guy was a good-looking guy. You're a girl and you're watching television, teenage girl, you're watching television and you see uh, an actress and you think, wow, she's beautiful. Or you see uh, a girl that goes to your school and you think, oh, wow, she's beautiful. Does that, I must be a lesbian. No, just because you recognize that someone has an attractive physical appearance says nothing about whether or not you are experiencing what might be called same-sex attraction. It, it, but that's the confusion that people have today is that they think, oh, this must mean this. Oh, I thought I, I have this close friendship with this person. I must be gay because love equals sex. And that's incorrect. And so there's this great confusion. Because here's the thing. Thoughts come into our minds, right? And oftentimes thoughts are in our minds because honestly, we expose ourselves to garbage. You know, whether it's music, whether it's television, whether it's internet, we expose ourselves to things. And oftentimes thoughts pop into our heads. Sometimes thoughts pop in our heads because of things we were exposed to as children that was not even our fault. Someone else exposed us to it. 
Um, sometimes it's just, um, who, who knows, right? It's our sinful nature. We have thoughts. Things pop into our head. Now, when he's talking about this, right, when he says, but I say to you, ever less, less at a woman, to, you know, to less for has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Um, it's not the thought that's the problem, right? Because we all have these thoughts that are inappropriate. And we think, God, where'd that come from? You know, and sometimes we think, God, forgive me for thinking that. You know, we take we take those thoughts captive. But what he's talking about here is not the issue of the thought popping into your head, right? The idea is more along the lines of, well, let me just read something to you. I found this in David Guzik's um, Bible commentary, which is at um, EnduringWord.org. Good stuff there. And he said this. He said, since Jesus considered adultery in the heart a sin, we need to know what we think about and allow our heart to rest on is based on choice. Many believe they have no choice and therefore no responsibility um, for what they think about. But this contradicts the clear teaching of Jesus here. We may not be able to control passing thoughts or feelings, but we certainly do decide where our heart and mind will rest. And he goes on to quote someone named Carson, who I don't know who that is, but he says, imagination is a God-given gift, but if it is fed dirt by the eye, it will be dirty. All sin, not the least sexual sin begins with the imagination therefore what feeds the imagination is of maximum importance in pursuit of the kingdom of righteousness and so you know he's talking about what we're putting into our mind the feeding of our mind and that is something important to keep in mind in the next verse that we come to oh, amazing how context works anyway god bless you talk to you soon